Hello and welcome to another edition of the 42 Courses podcast. My name is Chris Rawlinson, the founder of 42 Courses, and this week Jake Courage is going to be chatting to Christian Hunt again. Christian uh, was really good on the last podcast. Uh, he talks about all things risk management. And so in this episode, you're going to learn a little bit more about that topic and how you can better manage risk in your own life and in your own companies. Hope you enjoy it and hope you're well wherever you're on the world. Cheers. Christian, it's always a pleasure to be able to chat with you and you know, I've really enjoyed your podcast and it's it's opened up my ideas to this kind of topic of, of risk. Um, and I guess for me, you know, risk is one of those topics that you kind of don't really learn much about at school or sort of it's, it's not taught formally. Um, but then it kind of later dawns on you as an adult how kind of critically important it is. And I kind of lump lump risk in with other things like personal finance, sales, negotiation, problem solving, creativity, all of these these things that we realize at a later stage are, are kind of vital to, to a successful life. Um, and they don't, you know, some of them at least don't sort of sound that, that sexy and that interesting, um, but they turn out to be, you know, vastly more applicable than learning about obscure battles from 500 years ago. Um, and I guess for you, for you, from your perspective, trying to sort of, I guess, spread this this lesson around risk or, or, or reach broader audiences, um, what what do you think can kind of be be done about that? Um, well, look. So, so thanks for having me on the on the, on the show. I, um, uh, I I think risk is an interesting one because on the one hand, you're absolutely right. We do, we tend not to teach people risk, at least not as a subject, but we all intuitively understand it. Right? We we all get the concept of of particularly taking risk. Now, the you know, as you grow up as a child, you are inherently encouraged to take more risks. And if you look at the way we control toddlers and babies, that's different to the way we look at controlling teenagers, right? We give people more latitude as they're growing up. So we're given a greater ability to take risk, more responsibility as we, as we go. You know, driving license would be the sort of the, the, the sort of official example, but there's lots of examples where that's happening. So although we don't learn it, as a subject, we do pick it up as we go along. Where we, we, you know, if you're you're in the chemistry lab and you're allowed to start playing with certain chemicals, there's controls, restrictions around it. You could do something that's a bit appropriate. And as we get older, we're allowed to take more and more more risks as we go. So we understand intuitive, but you're right. It's, we never sort of taken aside and explained the process. We're allowed to pick it up by osmosis as we go through the education system and life. And we don't sit back and kind of explain to people why do human, you know, why do we take decisions the way that we do? And so, I, you know, I find history. I think the reason that we taught history to people is so we can learn the lessons of the past. How do we get to where we got to today? What's what's going on in the world? But that's a useful skill up to a point. But critical thinking and an ability to assess risk and manage it, I think, is something that we ought to be on the curriculum and ought to be taught to people alongside a host of other things. Um, you know, everything from cooking through to to sort of how to present yourself. There's probably some digital skills that we need to add to that mix now. But I agree with you. I think risk is sort mm. of it's, it's inherently there, but people shy away from it slightly because mm. it sounds a bit technical. And yet we're all taking risk on a daily or if not hourly basis. Yeah, I mean, I think there's I don't know if I'll get get it right. I think it was Harold Macmillan who said, you know, to be alive at all involves some some risk. You know, just the act of being alive is 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 risk. And 
yeah, going back to your point about education and, you know, part of me feels like you kind of start out your life, you know, as a, as a toddler, baby toddler, well, more of a toddler really, because you're mobile sort of understanding, as you say, inherently risk because you can kind of fall over and you can see the, the, the consequences of that. But then I feel like almost at school, you, you know, they start to almost try and educate you in the opposite fashion because everything becomes about pass or fail, you know, passing or failing exams. And I certainly felt that I've had to look at risk, you know, again, almost as I've become an adult, because I, I felt like I was programmed by school to kind of almost avoid risk in the sense that, you know, avoid failing in exams and avoid, um, you know, doing poorly in X, Y, Z task. Um, so I'm, I almost feel, I don't know if you agree that, that it's almost a harder challenge as an adult to kind of unlearn a lot of those unhelpful attitudes about risk um, that you picked up at school. Yeah, on the other hand, right, it, it is helpful to be able to understand the limits of your ability. And we see tons of examples of people doing things that they just don't have the skill set or aptitude for. Uh, I'm not referring to certain politicians, although they some of them do come to mind. But you know, there's lots of there's lots of examples of people doing stupid things, and you kind of go, "Why did you even think that that was within your capability?" So we do need to manage risk to to an extent. And so, so I wouldn't want to write off in its entirety the education system and the way that we bring people up to say actually having an understanding of your own limitations is a useful exercise and understanding failure. You know, not passing exams, losing sporting games, it, all useful stuff to help us navigate the complexity of the world. But I think you're, you're, you know, the, 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 the point that you're making is right, which is we don't consciously sort of think about how can I start to help people to manage this stuff? We expect them to kind of get on with it. And I think there's loads of things in life where you're sort of parachuted in and there's an expectation that you'll kind of work it out for yourself. Now, sometimes that's fun, and that's a great fun. And you sort of, you, you, there's, there's, there are great things in adventure and opportunities, and I quite like it when you get people coming along and challenging, and they come along to an event and they go, "Why is it like this? Why do we do this? Why does it take three days when I pay a check? What the hell is that, by the way, into my bank? Why does it take all this time? Why does it have to be this?" So you get people coming and disrupting. Mm. Why can't I order a cab on the street using my phone? Why can't it tell me where that cab is? That would be really useful. So you get these disruptors coming in. That kind of challenge that particular thing and they and they're butt up against some of these sort of traditional ways of thinking so i want to encourage disruptive thinking on the other hand we also need to equip people to understand there are some things that you can't physics doesn't change right so so you can mm. wish that things wouldn't fall down you know if, if, if there's a loose tile on a roof it is likely to fall down and potentially could cause some injury it's a useful thing to understand and that's less surmountable because we haven't yet found ways of overcoming the forces of basic physics when it comes to designing things. So I, I, I sort of have a mixed view on stuff, but the, but the fundamental bit there that says we are all taking risk on a daily basis, and, and, and your quote is a, is a really good example. We get up in the morning and we rely on a whole host of things, right? I rely on the fact that my ceiling's not going to collapse, that I'm not going to be electrocuted, that I'm not going to be poisoned. There's a whole host of protections that society has put in place that allows us to get on with life. And one of the things I think is really interesting about the 21st century is that we get very used to things being safe. Somebody else has done that thinking. So it's bizarre, right? When when you get into you get on a plane, that is putting yourself into a pressurized metal tube and then being propelled through the sky. I mean, by any stretch of the imagination, that's insanity. Mm. 
And yet we all do it without thinking about it. And we don't think too much about, you know, I don't sit there on the plane and go, I wonder if they've got air traffic control. Have they sorted that out? Has somebody thought about blowing up the tires on this thing? Have they, you know, you make the presumption naturally that something they've done that because we have authorities to do that. We live in a civilized world. And actually, if you had to worry about every single aspect of theoretical thing, you, you wouldn't do anything. And even the act of not doing something isn't risk-free, right? Sitting sitting where you are, there's a potential for all sorts of things to happen. So to a certain extent, we have to offlay some of the risk onto other people, onto other, onto onto processes, onto ways of doing things that have evolved over a period of time. And 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 the challenge comes, of course, is is that's helpful to be walking blindly. We don't want to take too many decisions because that's stressful. Hard work consumes energy and we need to focus on other things. So to any extent, the human being is pre-programmed to ignore certain risks and and kind of think think on a sort of risk-free basis and crack on with life. On So, so how do we mm. kind of dumb it down for the bits where we can dumb it down and still encourage critical thinking and awareness for the bits that, that are not? And that's a real challenge. And if you take something like cars, they've got inherently safer over time. But we know from research that every time they introduce a new safety feature, airbags, ABS, blah, 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 that people drive more dangerously. They compensate for that particular piece because actually, well, it's been made safer now, hasn't it? So I can drive a lot more. And you know, you notice it if you drive in a modern car, you can barely hear anything from the outside world. You're not getting any feedback from, from the outside world that gives you a sense of how fast you're driving. So we shouldn't be surprised that people drive faster in modern cars because they can, it feels safer. You know, and, 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 and that's the challenge here is how do we give people the right sense of risk so they feel the dangers of the things that they're doing, but uh, equally they're not having to second guess everything in a way that becomes stressful. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think that's another sort of fascinating thing I've sort of thought about on my kind of personal journey to understanding more about this topic is that, you know, when I think about risk, it, it brings up in general, you know, negative connotations, you know, taking risk is bad, but of course, there's a flip side to it in the sense that, you know, not all forms of risk are, are bad. Um, and I think, you know, entrepreneurship is a great example of that, um, in the sense that, you know, a lot of people will say to you, oh, you're mad for quitting your job and starting your own thing. You know, it's so, so risky. And, but, but the actual fact is there's a risk to, to not doing it. Um, and, I, and I think yeah, that's well, so interesting. We are and all, yeah, every single time we, every, every action we take comes with a risk profile. Right, greater or lesser extent, right? So, so, and some of that's down to personal idiocy. So, if I make a cup of tea, I, there is the risk that I could scald myself, right? There's, that just exists inherent in activity. Generally speaking, doesn't happen because we've built safety mechanisms where kettles you can't generally put your fingers inside them, and you know we've we've learned how to pour cups and we've designed things in a way that makes that less likely. But the, but the inherent risk still exists. Yet yep. we don't stop making cups of tea. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, we want people to have differing risk appetites as well, because that's what creates creativity, competition, challenge. And, and that's the real the sort of the, the, the human condition really is a balancing act between uh, needing to take risk, but not taking you know, taking the right amount of risk. And as a society, mm. we then look at it and say, well, what risks do we think it's acceptable for people to take? And where do we want to constrain that? Because actually that would be dangerous for them to do that. And if people just thought about things from their own perspective, you'd have all kinds of renegade activities and things that were potentially dangerous. So you're right. Every single day, each one of us is managing risk in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. And we don't often think about it in those terms, but we all are. 
And so mm. what we need to do is to really start to understand that. And I think that's the skill that's not taught is that people sort of, you know, people think about, wouldn't it be good? Let's get rid of all risk. Well, if you get rid of all risk, actually one life would be really boring, right? Because you imagine, I mean, there'd be nothing to watch on Netflix, right? Because no one would ever have taken a risk on a program. And, and equally, we mm. wouldn't do anything. But even in not doing something, as I said before, well, that's taking a risk because, because you know, you're, you're missing out on things and you're potentially, it feels, taking action feels safe, not taking action uh, could feel dangerous. Well, well, sometimes actually not taking action is the safe course of action taken. And it's a balance. It's, it's, it's a total balancing act. But every single activity that we're involved in comes with a degree of risk that we try and mitigate and manage. And it's that skill that mm. we're not really taught to think about in those terms. And we tend to take very, you know, we tend to, tend to get it wrong. And this is the bit I find interesting is human perception of risk is potentially wrong. So good example, post 9-11, you had a lot of people started to drive because they didn't want to get on planes because planes are dangerous. Now, of course, the safest time to get on a plane is precisely when something has happened because they've clamped down on it. That makes it super safe. Driving is actually inherently really dangerous. So there were a lot more deaths on the road. And you see this with COVID. People take comfort from government regulations, right? It says here that I can do this. Well, COVID isn't sitting there with this little checklist and going, ha-ha, you have complied with the law, so you're safe. You're in your little bubble. I'm going to go get those people that are breaking the law. It doesn't think in those terms. And so what we see there is a simple attempt by the government to codify the risks that underpin the virus. And not just risks for you personally, but risks to society. And this is where I get in, in the interesting bit about asymptomatic character carriers of COVID. The risk to them personally is fundamentally different to the risks that they could pose to society. And so very often we constrain people based not on the risk that they pose to themselves, but the risk that they pose to other people and to societally desirable outcomes. And, and so it starts to get a very interesting thing, which is even if we start to assess risk, you know, very often we make up our own minds about things. So you'll see, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a, a classic sort of example, you buy, you buy a piece of furniture, there'll be a whole load of warnings on there about stuff you shouldn't do with it. Chairs, typically you get a warning saying, don't use this as a ladder. And on the one end you go, what idiot would use that as a ladder? On the other hand, I know that if I'm trying to struggle to get something off the top of a cupboard, there's a high likelihood that if a chair is convenient and I think it can kind of balance me, that I'll take that risk and go, so the sign, the, the warning sign telling me not to use a ladder, very, very sensible. Am I going to listen to it? No. Does it really mitigate the risk? Well, from a legal perspective, yes. But from a, from a sort of behavioral perspective, no. But, you know, whether it's risky for me is down to a whole set of circumstances. There'll be other people for whom it's a greater risk, other people for whom it's not a risk at all because they're extremely coordinated and very light and, 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 and. So we, we, we are in a game here where government is trying and, and organizations and regulators are trying to balance these two particular pieces, recognizing risk is necessary. How do we get the right kind of risk? And I think the key to this is we need to help people to understand the inherent risks, not just to them, but to society more broadly, so that they can start to make better decisions. And a lot of the times when you take risk out of the equation, when you when you don't give people information that helps them understand it, they they you know they they don't understand what they're dealing with. If we don't understand what we're dealing with, we've got the wrong facts going into the human algorithm, the wrong data going in then what you will find is the human algorithm comes up with crazy decisions. And that's the, that's the challenge that we're facing. And of course, we react differently in different circumstances. There are environmental cues. We copy other people. So it's a really complex and challenging exercise. But we don't even, back to your point, we don't even get the basics right. right? We haven't even necessarily mm. got all the factors. We don't think about, for example, the information we don't have.
We don't factor. What is it? I don't know about this particular thing. I will base what I do on what I do. And that's why you see tourists doing stupid, or stupid, unusual things in different environments, right? Go to Germany. If you cross the road when the lights are red, you are likely to get shouted at by people, right? Whereas you, you're, people will look like you, even when there's no traffic. Do that in the UK. People will think you're a weirdo. And so there's really good examples of sort of risk. Now, the German approach is very, very safe, incredibly safe, right? It's still not 100% safe. Again, that's an interesting one, right? Crossing the lights when it's red uh, it has, comes with a degree of risk. Crossing the lights when it's green shouldn't be risky, but it might be. Maybe there's a cyclist doing something crazy. Maybe So again, something that feels risk-free isn't necessarily. And that's the bit that you know we need to start thinking about is how do we deal with that? But so back to your basic point, we are not really taught about thinking in terms of risk. And so it becomes this discipline within firms, and it becomes a sort of term that people kind of show. It's a little bit like accounting. People sort of, I sort of need to mm. know a little bit about tax, right? I need to know a little bit about or, or, or engineering when it comes to repairing your car I, or mechanics, right? That's probably a better phrase, right? I need to understand a little bit about it, but it's a bit scary. So I'll just shy away from that stuff. But risk is something we mm. all engage with on a daily basis. No, no, I completely agree. I mean, I first came across, you know, risk, you know, with those words, risk management, and, you know, heavily associated, as you say, with kind of companies or being in, inside a company. And, you know, a lot of the books I kind of initially did my Google search on looks, you know, quite frankly, incredibly boring and dry. And, and, you know, that's what I loved about your, your podcast in particular was kind of making this incredibly important topic much more relatable. Um, and making it more interesting and I suppose you know it's made me think about oh I kind of wish there was some type of course out there that kind of covered the basics or the fundamentals you know that we've we've kind of touched upon and I guess from your experience you know and hypothetically speaking you know what might that course or those topics look like to you in the sense that if I said to you you know here are five or ten fundamental things that um, you should know about risk or that everyone should know about risk that they could then go and apply in their broader life, whether that's health, finances, career, whatever, um, you know, what might those be in your, in your terms? So, I, I mean, I think the first thing you'd want to do is to really explain to people what, what, what is risk? What does it mean? And it's not this this scary thing that's out there. And it is. It can be scary, right? But it's out there. It exists, right? We can't make it go away. So, what is it? How do we engage in a day to day basis? And then, and then, you know, with the key, why would you need to learn about risk? Well, the answer is you want to be better at managing it. So, I would then say, well, let's take people through some simple examples of how we can think about managing risk. And one of the key bits is really interesting. Is is this? We have this idea about eliminating risk. Actually, it is very, very difficult to eliminate all risk. It seems like a desirable outcome, but for reasons I've outlined before, it's not necessarily. Then you want to. So, how can you manage risk down to a level that's appropriate? And there is this phrase, risk appetite, which is looking at how much risk do I want to take. We, you might recognize it from things like pensions and investments. What mm. sort of risk profile do I want? Or if you're playing a kind of computer game, what level have you put the computer game on that to match your right. your, your skill set? Right, there's a bit of risk management for you because you don't want to play a game that's too easy. You want to play a game that's too hard. And, right. and so as, as, as we look at that piece is, is how do we go through life? How can we better manage risk and understand what's happening? Now, one of the challenges of managing risk is that there is the risk itself, but there's a key piece of it, which is our perception of it. And if we have misperceived the risk, 
then the mitigants that we might put in place might not be appropriate. So, you know, we have all done things where we've sort of chanced our arm slightly and pushed the envelope. Now, we generally tend to think we're really smart when we get away with it, but actually uh, maybe we, we just got lucky. So I'd be looking at things and saying, what practical skills? So how do we identify risk? What can we do to mitigate risk? And how do we perceive risk? And how, do, how, does it, how does it play into our brain to the behavioral side of it? Very, very important. And of course, when that risk involves you, that's very different to other people. So we know from behavioral science that we can observe other people. We're very good at criticizing and observing faults in other people. We're not necessarily so good at looking at ourselves in that same light. So I think a key piece is around risk perception as well and saying, how can we, how do we think about risk? What does it look like to us? And what are the processes going on in our brains? that mean that we are likely to either misperceive the risk that is there or be biased in relation to it because we are somehow involved in the generation or the, 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 you know, the exacerbation of that risk. And so looking at those behavioral dynamics would be particularly key. And what I would want people to come away with was a real sense of, okay, this is what risk is. I can now start to recognize it when I see it. And a little bit like other behavioral science dynamics where you start to be told about these things, you'll see it everywhere. Right. And it's it's scary, but also mm. really powerful. You start to recognize elements of risk around you. What can you do personally? And so the skill you'd want to have at the end of all of that would be to say, I have a better understanding of the risks that I'm running and I have some strategies for mitigating those risks in a more effective way. Therefore, not living a risk free life because that would be dull, but actually living a properly risk managed life, whether that's at work or whether that's in your private life. No, I mean, I think I think that is all you know, absolutely 100% true. And I think, you know, going back to your point about perception, this, this idea that, you know, we are inherently very poor judges of risk. And I think that's something that most of us, just because it's human nature, make these assumptions that we are good at judging risk and that we, we take calculated risks and all of these sorts of things. But in reality, there are so many psychological biases that that get in the way, many of which we're even if we're aware of them, we're still still fall foul of them. Um, so I think absolutely that bit about kind of understanding the perception of risk and, and judging risk is is critical. Yeah, and I think I think look, it, it, you need to focus on why is risk a good thing. You know, it's it, as you as you rightly pointed out, it's got this evil badge, bad four letter word, terrible thing to be avoided at all costs. Yes, in certain certain types of risk, absolutely. They're well clear of those, right? We don't want any of that kind of thing going on. Equally, there's other risks which are awesome to take, exactly the sort of risk you should be taking. They they you know build humanity, they develop us, they they make incredible things happening. And it's a case of balancing those two things out. And I think I think you know the overall point here would be if you can demystify it and say, look, it's not just this four-letter word that's all bad news. There is real positive, good risk opportunities that would deliver stuff if you understand what you're dealing with. And I think one of the things, ignorance is not bliss when it comes to risk management. And that's one of the challenges here is we like to live in this ignorant state. So I'd be looking to say to people, let's just open the box, right? Let's go into that topic, have a look at it. Let's explore a little bit about what is it, what does it mean? Where are examples of it? Where's good and bad risk taking? How can we make sure we do more of the good and less of the bad? No, I think that's a, a brilliant quote to to end. And uh, yeah, I hope I hope we're going to get to make uh, a course together in the future on this topic because I think it'd be very valuable to to everyone listening. So uh, thanks so much again for your for your time today, Christian. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
thanks for joining us for this week's edition of the 42 Courses podcast. We'll be back soon with more interviews from some of the world's greatest and most interesting minds. In the meantime, you can find more nuggets of wisdom by following us on Instagram and Twitter at 42 Courses or check out our website 42courses.com to browse all our courses we offer. Have a marvellous week and chat again soon.